The recent growth of microtransit is far from small. I'm Laura Whitley. In this edition of The Next Stop, a look at Metro's microtransit service and how technology is making it easier than ever for customers to book a ride. The Next Stop. The Next Stop. The Next Stop. Metro's podcast. I'm excited to welcome Metro's Director of Care Transit and Microtransit Services, Mr. Michael Andrade, to the next stop. Mike, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Laura. We're excited to have you. Now, you have a very large role at Metro. Not only do you direct the Parrot Transit Service, known as MetroLift, uh, but you also lead the Microtransit Service arm of Metro. And that must keep you pretty busy. It does, Laura. We we have a lot of uh, good things going on on the microtransit community connector service that we've been operating since 2015. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's a great service. So let's dive in a little bit into this rapidly growing world of microtransit. Uh, first of all, uh, for those who aren't as familiar uh, what we're talking about, can you give us a, de- a definition? Sure. So microtransit basically means flexible on-demand transit, usually using uh, sedans all the way up to small alternative buses uh, to provide service for customers. And, and so um, it can look it can look a little different depending on where you are and, and, and what the need is. Right. So, you know, we have three different community connector zones in our mar- micro transit initiative. And basically those zones, um, they're transportation zones uh, based on uh, communities access where there's poor infrastructure like sidewalks, narrow streets, poor lighting or limited to no service exists for customers. And basically our goal is to connect customers to the greater metro system through park and rides, transit centers throughout the service area. So as we mentioned, we have three different zones right now. We have our acres home zone. We also have Missouri City, and we also have a, um, a zone in the uh, Cashmere area, which is a PM service that we operate. You said a PM service, so that's in the evenings? Correct. Our, our normal zone uh, time frame is daily from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. in Acres Home and in uh, Missouri City, and our um, PM zone is our Cashmere area where we uh, operate 8 p.m. to midnight daily. So thinking about those zones, and maybe we'll just use the, the cashmere zone, the evening one you mentioned, um, you know, how does that um, help and assist uh, Metro customers and pro- just provide a better level of service? Right. And, and that's a good point. What we try to do with the PM zone is really have that first mile, last mile service for our customers that, that travel late night that may be coming in from the medical center are coming in from a, from a game um, at the uh, Toyota Center. And basically, uh, we have a, a point of contact there at the, acre, at the Cashmere Transit Center where we have uh, customers can walk up to a vehicle there and get transported home as long as they're in that geographic zone that we, that we operate in. Now, that's not the only um, thing that customers are able to do. Um, this zone also operates and we have grocery stores, we have um, family members that customers can go visit in those zones. So as long as they're traveling within that geofence zone, 
they, they're able to uh, get service. That seems so impactful, particularly when you think about uh, the days and times that we're in now um, with essential workers and, and, and those some of those essential jobs, you know, thinking of grocery stores, uh, those who work at restaurants, th- those sometimes uh, mean very early or very late shifts. And, and it seems like a, a service um, like the PM service for Kashmir would be quite um helpful because it's not like you have a lot of people maybe but you definitely have some that still need to travel during those later hours absolutely and that's one of the things that we've tried to focus on in that area is how can we make an impact with customers that really don't have that means to get home from the transit center because like we talked about before you know no sidewalks uh, poor lighting and things like that it's really a safety concern for customers that may live in those zones when did Metro first start piloting and trying out these types of services? Sure. So back in, in 2015, um, uh, planning wanted to look at how we could impact communities that, um, that may not have transit um, that they're able to basically uh, get to. So we wanted to look at the Acres home area because we know that we have customers that may be aging in place. And we see lower ridership, diminishing ridership in those, in those areas. But we also wanted to make sure we're able to provide that level of service to customers that are in that area. And one of the things we did was we went out to other transit agencies to look at uh, community connector or micro transit type zones and how they were incorporating it into their service model. And this is one of the things that planning wanted to do is look at this area and overlay some some smaller vehicles and see what the demand would be basically. Because we knew that we people needed to, and customers needed to get to transit, they needed to get to grocery stores, they needed to get to work, they needed to get to doctor's appointments. And if we offered a, a curbside service or a curb to curb service that anybody that lives in this geographic zone could, could actually use, we wanted to see how that would impact Uh, the customers in that area. And what we found is when we first started, we, of course, it was small ridership, but since that point, the ridership has grown to incorporate, you know, um, teachers, you know, people coming into the downtown area, uh, utilizing the um, Acres Home Transit Center and the North Shepherd Park and Ride, all those different things that we saw happening um, the other uh, benefit is that we saw is um, school kids actually using the service to get to school, which was also helping moms and dads out there. They really needed to uh, focus on getting to work um, and not have to worry about uh, kids going down uh, narrow streets and um, with no sidewalks and things like that. So it was a safety concern. And we saw, you know, an increase in ridership in that area. Got it. Got it. And since that time, as you mentioned before, it's then expanded now to the three different zones that you were speaking of earlier. Correct. Yeah. And, and the, the other zone that, that planning was looking at and, and that was incorporated was the Missouri City zone. And that zone was a little bit different. It's a little bit bigger zone. Um, but again, trying to impact riders that we knew were um, utilizing the Missouri City Park and Ride to get to the medical center to get to downtown, we saw a lot of customers utilizing the service uh, to get from home to that park and ride. Um, you know, we have something called Anchor Point 
trucks that are built into the service. And one of them is at the Missouri State parking lot to the north. And we also have another anchor point um, at the Walmart because we saw that those two areas had a lot of ridership. And what that basically means is customers can just walk up to the vehicle every hour on the hour um, without having to call in um, and, and book a trip or which we'll talk about you know, using an app basically. So we wanted to make sure that um, customers had access to transit that didn't have technology. Got it. So there was kind of a, there's kind of an incorporation there where there's, um, along with it being on demand, there are, as you mentioned, anchor points. So kind of like, like just like a regular bus stop, I guess, where there's a specific place you can go and, and catch the, um, you know, catch the service. Absolutely. And we have them in each zone. Um, in the um, Acres Home area, we have a Walmart to the north that's an anchor point. And we also have the Acres Home Transit Center. And in the Cashmere, we have the Cashmere Transit Center that's, that's an anchor point. I think you began to mention it. Let's talk a little bit about how technology and access to technology is influencing uh, this expansion and access that that riders have to this microtransit. Right, and, and, and that goes back to, you know, some time ago, Chief Lambert asked us to look for ways to improve the customer experience in these community connected zones through technology and how we could offer a new way for customers to access the service by giving customers the ability to request an on-demand trip and manage their own trips without having to call in for service. So basically giving customers an Uber or Lyft-like experience, but the big difference is that we're using Metro vehicles. So that was one thing that was important to us is, is go out and find something that we can overlay this technology over this service that we have in place right now. So the app that we are, that we are actually started in these zones on September the 8th, uh, with this app, customers can basically book a trip on demand um, they can book seven days in advance. They can have subscription trips. Um, and it's within that geofenced zone. And we can also incorporate, like we talked about before, the first and last mile initiatives into this, uh, this new app called Curve to Curve. That's fantastic. And you mentioned um, the, the um, ride share experience. Um, how has the private sector... Uh, on-demand transportation services influenced uh, this type of public transit? Well, and, and that's a good point. You know, one of the things that we wanted to do, as we mentioned before, is go out to other agencies and talk to them to see how they're incorporating these types of services and how they were uh, partnering with the private sector to provide these types of services. And, you know, there's a lot of talk of TNCs, and, you know, transportation network companies, that are providing this type of service. And there are some uh, agencies that are doing that. We haven't taken that next step yet uh, because we wanted to basically have a proof of concept to see if customers are interested in this type of technology um, for these zones and then kind of go from there. So this curb to curb app pilot that we have uh, in place right now will be operating for the next you know, 10 months or so and what we want to do is really learn from this uh, pilot, um, see how the customers um, see the pilot, um, 
Do they like the app? Do they like utilizing the app? How many downloads are we having? Um, are we seeing efficiencies in the service as far as passengers per trip? Um, do we see a reduction in call center calls? Um, all these different things are met metrics that we want to look at uh, and learn from them so that we can apply this in the future. That's really interesting. Let's talk a little bit about the role microtransit plays, particularly in large, uh, you know, sprawling urban cities like Houston, even though there are extensive fixed route, local and park and ride bus services, uh, along with light rail and you now uh, Metro Rapid. Uh, there's still places within the service area that need that that don't have service. Um, how does microtransit help meet those needs? Right. So you know, in the future, you know, you know, the basic question is how do we provide transportation service in areas that are not currently served but are a part of the metro service area? And what we found is by talking with other agencies and research entities is a dynamic, a dynamic app solution could work well in this space and be tailored for a specific area, of course, in a geofence zone. But um, things like first and last mile that we talked about before, zone-based transportation, you know, all of these different things, I think, will help us move forward in, in understanding how we can provide service in these areas um, that we don't have service now. And before you mentioned, there just are some areas, even though, again, it's in within the city um, or the the greater Houston area, where there's just not the infrastructure to support a large bus uh, or vehicle like that going down the streets. Exactly. And, and, and those are the areas that, you know, I'm sure planning and operations will, will be looking at in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, how can we make impacts in those communities? Um, how can we connect riders with, uh, with transit, uh, whether it be at a park and ride or a, uh, a rail station or at a, uh, a, a transit center? Uh, and ultimately, that's what we want to do, increase ridership in these, in these communities, but also offer, you know, some type of service in, in areas where, again, we have no, no fixed route or, uh, or bus service yet. We mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that you wear two hats, um, uh, both leading microtransit and also as the director of paratransit, uh, and that that uh, also speaks to accessibility. Um, how can uh, microtransit um, help provide a greater level of accessibility to uh, public transit riders, particularly when you think consider the um, aging population? Yeah, that's a very good point. And, and one thing that, that Metro is very, very proud of is promoting um, universal accessibility. And that's one of the things that we've really pushed with the micro transit or community connector service is that all of our vehicles are wheelchair accessible. So wherever we, this service does come to whatever community it goes to, whether you're a paratransit rider or whether you're just a citizen that wants wants transit, you can utilize these services. So um, that's one thing that's very important to us is to make, make sure that everything is, is accessible um, in those areas. And I guess I'm just thinking about, um, you know, older riders um, 
having this uh, option and opportunity to have a more on-demand type experience um, just maybe, um, again, help improve their access to public transit and provide them a little more independence. Absolutely, because as you mentioned, the paratransit service, you know, there may be customers that aren't to the point where they really need paratransit, but if you have a curb-to-curb service that is, is able to pick up customers at their home and take them where they need to go within that area, whether it be at a transit center or a grocery store, you know, that's a really valuable service for that community. And um, that's one of the things, again, that we're focusing on. Absolutely. I guess looking ahead too, and considering technology, um, I'm thinking about the AV technology like that, um, that was, you know, that's being piloted by Metro. Um, Are there opportunities to incorporate this type of um, on-demand microtransit using these uh, vehicles that um, are on the horizon? Yeah, there, there's definitely an opportunity there. And, and I know that the work that the Metro is doing right now in partnership with TSU is, is a really great pilot. Um, so I think what we want to do is just learn from that pilot and see how we can incorporate the, the curb-to-curb app, these dynamic app solutions um, in the future. Is there anything else you'd like to add or generally speaking, anything? I know you mentioned, you know, looking at what other um, – transit agencies are doing that, that, you know, that's on the horizon uh, for this type of service? Yeah, I will say that, that just talking with other transit agencies and what we've been able to see is that these microtransit uh, services are gaining a lot of popularity. I mean, um, just down the road at San Antonio Via, they implemented uh, something very similar to this before we did as far as the curb-to-curb app type uh, app solution. And they've gotten a lot of good feedback and, and, and the ridership is, is going in the right direction there. And I know that they're planning in the future to add some more zones. So whether it's, it's San Antonio Via or DART up to the north, uh, I think DART has about 16 different zones there. Um, it's just across the country, there are more agencies that are looking at um, this microtransit type services to, to help fill the void um, that they need and and be more efficient with the services they have out on the street. Well, it sounds like you uh, will continue to be very busy as things go move forward. (laughs) Absolutely. We're again, we're excited to provide this service for our customers. And again, we, we see a lot of good things uh, on the horizon. So we'll, we'll see what we can learn from our curb to curb app and incorporate that into more permanent solution in the future. Well, Mr. Michael Andrade, Metro's Director of Paratransit and Microtransit Services, thanks for joining the next stop. Thank you for having me. For complete information on the Community Connector Zones and the Curb to Curb app, visit RideMetro.org. That's all for this edition of The Next Stop. I'm Laura Whitley. 
If you'd like to check out more episodes, you can find them on our website or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Google Play. And if you could please do us a favor and rate and review the show, that'll help us out a lot. Until next time, drive less, do more with Metro. Metro.